First Person Drunk is a podcast in which I read classic works of literature written in the first person whilst drunk. First Person Drunk is brought to you by the public domain and by whiskey. This is Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis, Chapter 2. I never stopped to tell but two, three folks on the way to Brother Cartwright's, but they must have spread it quick. Cause when I got back home with him, it seemed like the whole town was there. It was along about dusk by this time, and it was a prayer meeting night at the church. Mr. Cartwright told his wife to tell the folks what come to the prayer meeting he'd be back before long and to wait for him, which she really told them where he had went and what fur. Mr. Cartwright marches right into the kitchen. All the chairs in our house was into the kitchen, and the women was a-talking and a-laughing, and they had sent over to Alexander's for their chairs and to Rogers's for them. Every once in a while, there would be an awful bust of language come up from that hole where that unregenerate old sinner was cooped up in. I have traveled around considerable since them days, and I have mixed up along many kinds of people in many different places, and some of them was cussers to admire. But I never hearn such cussing before or since as old Hank done that night. He busted his own records and riz high on his own watermarks for previous times. I wasn't nothing but a little kid then, and scarcely fitting for to admire the full beauty of it. They was deep-down cusses that come from the heart. Looking back at it after all these years, I can believe what Brother Cartwright said himself that night, that it wasn't natural cussing and some higher power, like a demon or an evil spirit, must have entered into Hank's human carcass and give that terrible eloquence to his remarks. It busted out every few minutes, and the women would put their fingers into their ears till a spell was over. And it was personal, too. Hank, he would listen until he hearn a woman's voice that he knowed, and then he would let loose on her family, going backwards to her grandfathers and downwards to her children's children. If her father had once stolen a hog or her husband done any disgrace that got found out on him, Hank would pull it all into his general remarks with trimmings onto it. Brother Cartwright, he steps up to the hole in the floor when he first comes in, and he says, gentle-like and soothing, like an undertaker when he tells you where to sit at a home funeral, Brother Walters, brother, Hank yells out, don't you brother me, you sniffling, psalm-singing, yaller-faced, pigeon-toed hypocrite, you. Get me a ladder, gall darn you, and I'll come out in here and learn you to brother me, I will. Only that wasn't nothing to what Hank really said to that preacher. No more like it than a little yellow fluffer canary is like a buzzard. Brother Walters, says the preacher, calm but firm, we have all decided that you ain't gonna come out of that cistern till you sign the pledge. And Hank tells him what he thinks of pledges and him and church doings and it wasn't pretty. And he says if he was as deep in eternal fire as what he is now in rainwater and 
every fish that nibbles at his toes was a preacher with a red-hot pitchfork a-jabbing at him. They could jab till the hull hereafter turned into snow afore he'd ever sign nothing a man like Mr. Cartwright gave him to sign. Hank was stubborner than any mule he ever nailed shoes onto, and proud of being that stubborn. That town was an awful religious town, and Hank, he knowed he was called the most unreligious man in it, and he was proud of that, too. And if anyone called him a heathen, it just plum tickled him all over. Brother Walters, says that preacher, we are going to pray for you. And they done it. They brought all them chairs close up around that cistern in a ring, and they all kneeled down there with their heads on them, and they prayed for Hank's salvation. They done it up in style, too, one at a time, and the others singing out, Amen, every now and then, and they shed tears down onto Hank. The front yard was crowded with men, all a-laughing and a-talking and chawing and spitting tobacco and betting how long Hank would hold out. Old Cy Emery, that was the city marshal, and always wore a big nickel-plated star, was out there with him. Cy was in a sweat, cause Bill Nolan, that run the barroom, and some more of Hank's friends, or as near friends as he had, was out in the road. They says to Cy, he must arrest that preacher, for Hank is being gradual murdered in that there water, and he'll die if he's held there too long, and it will be a crime. Only they didn't come in the yard to say it amongst us religious folks. But Cy, he says he dasn't arrest no one because it is outside the town corporation, but he's considerable worried, too, about what his duty ought to be. Pretty soon, the gang that Mrs. Cartwright has rounded up at the prayer meeting comes stringing along in. They had all brung their hymn books with them, and they sung. The whole town was there then, and they all sung, and they sung revival hymns over Hank. And Hank, he would just cuss and cuss. Every time he busted out into another cussing spell, they would start another hymn. Finally, the men out in the front yard got warmed up too, and began to sing all but Bill Nolan's crowd, and they give Hank up for lost and went away disgusted. The first thing you know, it was a regular revival meeting there, and that preacher was preaching a regular revival sermon. I've been to more than one camp meeting, but for just naturally taking hold of the whole human race by the slack of its pants and dangling of it over a hellfire, I never hear nothing could come up to that there sermon. Uh, two or three old backsliders in the crowd come right up and repented all over again on the spot. The whole kitten bilin' of them got the power good and hard like they does at camp meetings and revivals. But Hank, he only cussed. He was obstinate, Hank was, and his pride and his dander had riz up. Finally, he says, You're taking an ornery, low-down advantage of me, you are. Let me out in this here cistern and I'll show you who'll stick it out longest on dry land. Darn your religious hides. Some of the folks there ain't had no suppers. So after all the other sinners but Hank had either got converted or else sneaked away, some of the women says, why not make a kind of love feast out of it and bring some vittles like they does to church sociables? 
because it seems likely Satan is going to wrestle all night long like he does with the angel, the angel Jacob, and they ought to be prepared. So they done it. They went and they come back with vittles, and they made up hot coffee, and they feasted that preacher and themselves and Elmira and me all right in Hank's hearing. And Hank was getting hungry himself. And he was cold in that water, and the fish was nibbling at him. And he was getting cussed out and weak and soaked full of despair. And there was no way for him to sit down and rest. And he was scared of getting a cramp in his legs and sinking down with his head underwater and being drowned. He said afterward he'd have done the last with pleasure if there was any way of suing that crowd for murder. So, along about ten o'clock, he sings out, I give in, gosh darn ya, I give in. Let me out and I'll sign your pesky pledge. Brother Cartwright was forgetting the ladder and letting him climb out right away, but Elmira, she says, Don't you do it, Brother Cartwright. Don't you do it. You don't know Hank Walters like I does. If he once gets out of there before he signed that pledge, he won't never sign it. So they fixed it up that Brother Cartwright was to write out a pledge on the inside leaf of the Bible and tie the Bible onto a string and a lead pencil onto another string and let the strings down to Hank and he was to make his mark, but he couldn't write, and they was to be pulled up again. Hank, he says, all right, and they done it. But just as Hank was making his mark on the leaf of the book, that preacher done what I has always thought was a mean trick. He was lying on the floor with his head and shoulders into that hole as far as he could, holding a lantern way down into it so as Hank could see. And just as Hank made that mark, he spoke some words over him. And then he says, now, Henry Walters, I have baptized you, and you are a member of the church. You'd have thought Hank would have broke out cussing again at being took unexpected that way, for he hadn't really agreed to nothing but signing the pledge. But nary a cuss. He just says, Now you get that ladder. And they got it, and he clumb up into the kitchen, dripping and shivering. You went and baptized me in that water? He asked the preacher. The preacher says he has. Then, says Hank, you done a low-down trick on me. You knowed I's made my brags I never jined no church, nor never would jine. You knowed I was proud of that. You knowed that it was my glory to tell of it, and that I set a heap of store by it in every way. And now you went and took it away from me. You never fought it out fair and square, neither, man planned out last man like you done with this here pledge, but you sneaked it in on me when I wasn't looking. There was a lot of men in that crowd that thought the preacher had went too far and sympathized with Hank. The way he done about that hurt Brother Cartwright in our town. And there was a split in the church, because some said it wasn't regular and wasn't binding. He lost his job after a while and become an evangelist which it don't make no difference what one of them does, no how. But Hank, he always thought he had been baptized regular. And he never was the same afterwards. He had made his lifelong brags, and his pride was broke in that there one particular spot. 
and he sorrowed and grieved over it a good deal, and got grouchier and grouchier and meaner and meaner, and liquored oftener, if anything. Signing the pledge couldn't hold Hank. He was worse in every way after that night in the cistern, and took to lambing me harder and harder. 